0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. dumps today, I got news for you. Today's going to be a joyful day because I'm talking about joy today. So if you can just bear with me for like half an hour, something like that. Uh, for those of you taking notes, the message today is called Resurrecting Joy. We're going to resurrect some joy this morning because I firmly believe that this message is, is more than just a message. It's, it's going to be a declaration over people's lives here in this place this morning that, that, um, <laughs> that um, the enemy's been trying to steal joy in some people's lives, and today's the day that it gets taken back. Okay, today's the day that God is going to resurrect joy back into your life today. Do you believe that? I want you to just, just turn to your neighbor on your left and tell him today that God's going to resurrect your joy. Yeah. And turn to your neighbor on the other side, give him a big old high five. Yeah. I said high five, that was a low five. I saw a low five back there. I said high five. Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. <clears throat> so today, I want to dive into the, the who, the what, the when, the how, and the why of joy in the Bible. And for that, we're going to be doing a, a deep study into the books of Lamentations and Ecclesiastes this morning. Kidding. Obviously, those are the most depressing books in the Bible. We will not touch those I promise. Um, you guys okay if we have fun in church? Do you guys like having fun? If we have some fun in church? We're gonna have some fun this morning, and I love that our pastors do a great job at breaking the stigma that says you can't have fun in church. You can't laugh in church, okay? And like, what a crazy thought that you can't have fun in church. Anyways, we're gonna have some fun, and, and one thing I see a lot of in church is, is smiling faces and happiness. There's a lot of joy in church, but sometimes in our, you know, our, our Monday to Saturday life, you, know, you go to work and all that stuff, and you know, we, we don't we really see a little dip in that joy. But um, but today, God is resurrecting joy. And, and it seems that, that when life is serious, that we're serious. Okay, it's just kind of how it is. Um, we're surrounded by serious times, though. Seriously, like, the market's up and down. Okay, there's terrorism all around us. Okay, politicians are a nightmare, for lack of a better way of saying that. Um, there's plenty of reasons for us to not have joy. But I know how bad things are out there. But I also know that God turns... Uh, God can work all things for good. And, and sometimes we can forget that under the blanket of, of all things, that we're going to go through some, some bad things sometimes. So have joy in the fact that God is turning those bad things into joyous things, and it's starting today. Now, all those things that I listed, they're not reasons for us to fear. But on the contrary, they're actually reasons for us to be joyful. Okay, we've been called to live counter-culturally. Okay, we're, we're in the world, but independent of the world. All right, so we can't respond to the world the same way that the world responds to the world, right? As, as children of God, okay, if we, okay, the sky is falling, hallelujah, okay, awesome. means Jesus is coming, right? I'm going home to see my maker, hallelujah. Okay, we aren't meant to fit in and act how the world acts. We can't live our lives based on the fear of man because either God has everything under control or he, or he doesn't. Last time I checked, God didn't take any afternoon naps. I love me some afternoon naps. He was with me this morning, Yeah. I'm a, I'm a paramedic. I'm a, I'm a professional napper, okay? That's, that's... So, anyways, moving on. Um, so our response when the world falls apart should be joy. Not, now, don't misunderstand me. Not joy in those things, but joy in the fact that we have a hope for our future. Amen? So what is true joy? Let's start with the what. So the Bible mentions joy or rejoicing 330 times in the Bible, but happiness, only 26. Now, happiness depends on what happens to you and around you, so that when all your circumstances line up, then you can be joyful. All right? And the root of happiness is the word hap, and that actually means uh, favorable circumstances or good luck. But joy, on the other hand, joy is a word called makarios in the original Greek. And makarios means to be blessed. It is evidence of God's, God's work in your life, God's presence in your life. Because true joy is letting Christ live his life out through you so that who he is you then become. Now, makarios is different than happiness. Okay, we can't mistake joy for happiness, which can be very easy to do. But joyful is the one who's in the world, but independent of the world. Okay, their satisfaction comes from God and not from the favorable circumstances around them. See, joy enables believers to endure the the trials and hardships that the Christians face in this life. Now, it's not easy to walk in joy. It's not. Okay, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. Okay, we don't just become a Christian overnight and then just develop joy. You don't just get like a smile tattooed on your face the second that you become a Christian. Okay, it's it's not easy to rejoice when you're going through, through problems. It takes faith. It takes faith to have joy. Now this faith doesn't deny a problem's existence, but it denies it a place of influence in your life. See, the joy that children of God have is holy and pure. This joy rises above the circumstances in your life and it focuses on the very character of God. Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. That's why it's one of the fruits of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians 5.22. Now, I want to look at that very briefly. So, there's nine fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22. Does anybody know what the first one is? It's love. Thank you. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay, what's one of the first things that you become aware of when you become a Christian? It's God's love. Okay, You, you, you start to understand, like, wow, how could God love a sinner like me? A nightmare. I sin like 10 times walking from the back to the front. Like, like, but God still loves me. God still loves me. His love's unconditional. Okay, no matter if we sin or not, God still loves us. Okay? And when you truly grasp that, when you get a hold of, of God's love, then you begin to walk into the second fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. Which is joy. When you start to get that understanding of godly joy, of biblical joy, you become unaffected by the world around us. When you really understand that joy, then you can walk into the third fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. Okay, First comes love, then joy, then peace. Because if you can smile in the midst of bad circumstances, then you have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and it guards your heart. So then when, when do we need this joy of the Lord? All right, Nehemiah verse, uh, chapter 8, verses, verse 10. second half says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of Of the Lord is your strength. Now, the Hebrew word for strength here means that it is your safety or your protection, and joy here is is a defensive word. Okay, it's a military term, kind of like it's not—it's a different kind of joy. It's not the same joy that you would think of. Okay, it's not like—it's not like like Barney the Big Purple Dinosaur. Like I love you. Okay, it's not that kind of joy. It's—it's a—it's a a different kind of joy. It's a defensive. uh, Here, okay, imagine all the fruits of the Spirit are like soldiers. Each one of them is a soldier that fights against the enemy and joy is one of those soldiers found in galatians 5 22 it builds a wall up against the enemy it's a defensive strategy against the enemy when you walk in joy see sometimes we can get into this place where we feel like we always need to be on the offensive against the enemy but we never work on our defenses okay we're binding the devil in this and we're binding the devil in that we're searching for an evil spirit under every stone Okay, but sometimes we have to go on the defense, okay? In Luke 10, 20, it says, Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. When was the last time you just sat and marinated on the thought that your name is written in heaven? that, That God has a book with your name on it. Your name is on God's welcome list at the gates of heaven. How amazing is that? When was the last time you just sat and rejoiced in that? Okay, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strongest point is in your joy. See, whenever you're facing a notable opponent, a strong enemy, sometimes you have to be creative in how you fight them. Okay, you have to go about different, different means. I'll give you an example of this. In World War II, one of the greatest, battle, or one of the greatest uh, attacks that ever occurred was on June 6, 1944. Okay, it was D-Day. What you may not know about that day is that it was, it was aided by another, uh, another operation. It was called Fortitude South. This whole operation was a ruse. It was a giant distraction noodle, if you will. It was was created to to make confusion in the enemy's camp. So what they did is is the Allies created this fictitious army group, and they put it in Kent, England, which is uh, the the closest land point across the English Channel to France. They staged a fake invasion. They even had these these blow-up fake tanks, these inflatable tanks. They made wooden airplanes, they had dummy fuel depots, so that when reconnaissance pilots flew over from France, they actually saw this huge mass of troops thinking that there was an invasion that was going to come. Okay? They, they confused the enemy. They even, the Allies even put General George Patton in charge of this fake army, the greatest general in, in the history of World War II, just to make it more authentic. And they kept feeding them false information, saying that they were going to invade at this Calais, uh, France spot. One of the greatest ways to, conf- to combat your enemy is to confuse your enemy and let your defenses do their grunt work. Okay, one of the the greatest terms in in the sporting world is that defense wins championships. It's true in every team sport. Okay, your best offense is your defense. One of the best ways we can combat the enemy and walk as a champion in Christ is to let your defenses do the grunt work and let let your your strength and defense be your joy. So that when you're hit with tough times, you put up your strength and joy and, and you confuse the enemy. Okay, he doesn't know how to respond when, when, you, when, you, when you respond in joy. Okay, imagine you just lost your job. The devil said, no, you just lost your job. Why, why are you still smiling? Okay, you have no money in your bank account. How are you not freaking out? Your house just burned to the ground. Why are you laughing? It, it confuses the enemy. He doesn't know how to respond to that. Okay, so let's confuse the enemy. Don't let the enemy take away your joy. Don't give him your secret weapon, which is your joy. Hold on to your joy. Don't let the enemy win in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships. Don't let the enemy steal that joy from your life. Okay? If you immerse yourself in the presence of God, then joy becomes a byproduct. And where the presence of the, of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. When you're in the presence of the Lord, you can't sit in sadness. Okay? This joy survives all difficult times in life. A couple months ago, I met a a woman through work, and um, her husband had just recently been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and he was given like a a couple weeks to live at most, and um, his condition had worsened to the point that she had to call an ambulance for him, and and so she sat up up front with me as we drove to the hospital, and we chatted for about, like, small talk for like 10, 15 minutes, and then... I asked her, I was like, how are you doing? How are you holding up through all this? And she, she's responded with such courage. She said, you know, I'm just taking it day by day, not worrying about a thing. And she was incredibly strong through this whole thing. I don't even know how she, how she managed to, to do this. But anyways, the doors opened up that God was brought into the conversation. And she said that God was the one that was carrying her through this. And that he was the one that was keeping joy in her life. She actually said the joy of the Lord was her strength. okay. God was the one carrying her through it all. The evidence of her faith in God expressed itself through joy. Okay, this woman only works four hours a week. She has an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old daughter that are never going to have a father to walk them down the aisle one day. She has every reason to freak out, to cry, to worry, to be anxious. But her response was saying that the joy of the Lord was her strength. She was confusing the enemy, She was at the darkest hour in her life to the point she had to call an ambulance. But she still kept her joy. Okay, And God sent someone who would encourage her in her walk, who would tell her that she is confusing the enemy in her joy. And God brought her joy and encouragement in a time that she should really be collapsing under pressure the most. I want you to know something today. The enemy is doing his very best work to try and steal your joy. Don't let him take your joy. No matter how much he attacks you, though, know that he can't touch your eternity. He can't take your eternity. Devil, you can take everything else around me, but you can't take my joy, and I'm going to keep praising my Jesus because there's nothing more important to me than my salvation. Amen? Amen. Matthew 16, 26 says, Is there anything worth more than your soul? No. Not even close. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Okay, know this. All your problems have an expiration date. Take joy in the fact that all the problems that you walk through in this life have an expiry date. The enemy may attack all day, but in one day, there's only 24 hours. And joy comes in the morning. When morning comes, so does victory. So does newness. So does power and authority and joy. Psalm 30 verse 5 says that weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, the interesting interesting thing about when this verse was written in the Hebrew days in that culture, their days actually began at sundown, okay? So when joy comes, we think that's in the morning. We think, according to this verse, that that's when the sun rises in the morning. But according to the culture that this verse is written, joy comes in the darkness at sundown. So when you're facing difficult situation in your life, take heart because there is joy in your darkness. Amen. God is going to resurrect your joy. A lot of people think that. So, how do we respond to joy? Let's move to the how. A lot of people think that laughter in the presence of God is is wrong and it's irreverent. Okay. Some people think that the only expression you can have to God is is silent reflection and tears, single tear. Okay. But you know what? God wouldn't mind it every now and again. If you just burst out in laughter give him a shout of praise because of the king that he is and the blessing in your life. I asked you earlier if it's okay if we laugh in church, if we, if we have fun in church. Can I give you a biblical answer to that? Psalm 2 verse 4 says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. God laughs. Okay, and Psalm 37 13, but the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Our lives are supposed to resemble that of King Jesus. But Jesus could only do what his father did. It's time that we start being like our father in heaven and start laughing at the enemy when he tries to do a work in our lives. When he tries to take out your, your marriage, tries to take out your house, your finances, whatever, that we just respond in laughter. Okay, God laughs because he already knows what the end is. He knows the end from the beginning. And you know what? We have a serious advantage. Okay, He gave us this book. It's called the Bible. He gave us the whole thing, Genesis through Revelation. Has anybody ever read the book of Revelation? We win. Amen? We are the champions. Okay. It's time that we give praise or applause for no reason other than the fact that God is good. Okay. Psalm 100, verse 1-2, to 2, it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. It says, shout with joy. Okay. Can I go totally off the deep end here for a sec? I'm talking like way on left field. Okay. As a youth leader, I feel like it's my responsibility to be a little cuckoo. Okay, So I'm going to go a little crazy here for a sec. I want to do something that's never been done in this church before. I, w- I want to do what this verse says here. I want us to shout with joy to the Lord. Can we just go real weird for a sec? Like, let's I'm, Yeah, let's do it, okay? Like, there are so many reasons for us to shout with joy. Okay, we have salvation, we have blessing, we have, we have, we have power, we have authority, we have healing, we have redemption. Who woke up this morning? Who woke up this morning? Yeah, that's enough reason to praise God, okay? I want to take five seconds. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to take five seconds and just shout for praise for God. Can we do that for a sec? Okay, and if you're in this place and you just felt down in the dumps, okay, you're just feeling terribly when you woke up this morning, I want you to scream the loudest, okay? Because God responds to your faith. God responds to your faith. So I want you to scream the loudest. Can we do that this morning? We're going to count to three. Are you ready? One, two, three. That was, that was fun. You guys are crazy, you know that? You guys know, are nuts. Next time you're sitting in your office and you're having a rough day just scream, praise Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm kidding, don't do that. You guys are weird. Weird enough as it is. All right, God is going to resurrect your joy, okay? A couple years ago, Carly and I had a, we had a prophetic word spoken of us and, and it, was, it was a Presbytery weekend and um, we, had, we renewed the whole prophetic thing. We had no idea what to expect, honestly. We'd never seen anything like this before and and um, all we knew is that, that we had been so blessed in our life. You know, we had, a, we had a house, we had an awesome marriage, we had great friends, and, and just stayed very stable careers. Like, everything was so lined up for us. We're like, man, I think, I think we're going to get a major word of correction. Like, there must be something seriously wrong coming up here. And like, honestly, I thought in, going in, like, they're going to tell us, like, if you're going to go through a time of testing and trials for a while, or, or you're going to go through like some sorrow in the night, or you're going to walk through the valley of shadow of death for a while. Yeah, whew, thank God he didn't say that, and that would have been terrifying. Could you imagine if somebody spoke that over you? Oh, boy. Anyways, so uh, Gary Hayes, he must have known we were freaking out inside because the first thing he said, he looked at me and said, relax. Seriously, I'm kidding. I'm not not, not kidding at all. That, That was the best prophetic word that was ever spoken over me was Relax. Okay, that, was, that was so on point. Anyway, so for, for 20 minutes, these guys just downloaded word after word over us of blessing. And, and you know, they're saying, like, your children are going to be blessed. Your children's children will be blessed. And, and you're going to own the business one day. And God's going to rain gold coins down from heaven on you. Woo! <laughs> anyway, see, this? i sorry. Sorry, God. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, my, my only response to all that stuff was laughter. Yeah, okay, I laughed. I didn't have any of that, like, silent reflection or tears or any stuff like that. I actually laughed because sometimes that's the only response you can have when God starts raining all this blessing on you. You don't even know why he's blessing me. Like, why me? I'm a nobody. And he just starts throwing blessing at you. I laughed. Okay, I wasn't laughing as, like, a disrespectful thing. But I was laughing because there's a relationship there that makes it able to happen with God. Okay, A.W. Tozer said that the most important thought a man could ever have is his thought about God. See, how you see God changes how you worship God and how you perceive life. If you see God as someone who's just waiting up there to strike you down the second you screw up, like if you think he's like creating some kind of like special like, virus with your name on it, like a fungus and plague, and he's just going to throw it on you the second you screw up, like, yeah, I'm not going to walk in joy of the Lord. That's terrifying. That's not who God is. But the last couple weeks, we learned from Ray, so awesomely timely, uh, about God's love. How gracious God is, how loving God is, how perfect God is. And once you start to grasp that, you can can then walk with a little bit of jump in your step. You're going to have a bit of joy when you walk in that. Excuse me. Now, where where should we find this joy? I'm glad you asked. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, God is telling us to stop chasing the pleasures of this world around us. Stop chasing joy in the world around you. It's time we stop looking at the mighty dollar for our joy and start looking at the mighty Savior. It's time we stop getting joy from the lust of the world and start lusting after the heart of the one who gave you breath this morning. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore, he says. Now, what the earth considers joy, I'd actually like to change their definition to happiness. Okay, Because happiness denotes a feeling and it was a result of an emotion of the circumstances around you. But joy is that peace that's deep down in your soul that no one can take from you. Now, don't get me wrong. Earthly joy can feel good for a while, right? It's okay if we say that. Earthly joy can feel good for a while. Okay? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a trap that we fall into sometimes. But the problem is, those things are only temporary. Okay? They don't last. It's only a short period of time. Now, I may regret asking this question, but do you think you'd see joy... If you saw the Leafs win the cup, yes. <laughs> guess what? The next, the day after they win the cup, it's 0-0 again, okay? They're like, it's, seriously, it's, there's a new champion that happens the next year. They'll fall flat on their face. They get the last draft pick, whatever. It's temporary, okay? <laughs> yeah. Godly joy doesn't go away, okay? Godly joy doesn't leave us. Godly joy doesn't disappoint us like the Leafs do. I'm just getting started. You know? no, I'm just... <laughs> Have you ever noticed how quickly earthly joy can leave us? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed how how easy it is for our, our sweetness today to turn into bitterness tomorrow, our gladness in the morning to be sadness at night? Earthly joy doesn't doesn't stay. Okay, but the joy of Christ, it never fades, it never leaves us. Our, the Christian joy, according to that Bible, is, is the deep settled peace within your heart, within your soul that tells you that everything is alright with your forever. Okay, the really important things in life are alright. The really important things within you are alright. Okay? We're going to live somewhere spectacular for eternity. The really important things in life are alright. Now why is joy so important? Well, number one, it attracts non-believers. It does. Does anybody know ever, any grouchy Christians? you ever met any grouchy Christians? I just want to grab them and shake them and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> grouchy Christian. You know what grouchiness speaks to non-believers? It says that God isn't good enough for my happiness. God doesn't bring enough joy into my life. Okay, maybe people are, are looking to see joy in your life before they start coming to church with you. Now, is it all right for us to be upset sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Life throws some serious major curveballs sometimes, right? Like a a loved one passing away or like major life changes or the Leafs blow a three-goal lead in the third period in game seven against the Bruins. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, we do have Kleenex, right? so, what's another reason we can have joy in our lives? Or, <laughs> why is sorry? Why is joy so important? It's a, it's it's a command. That was yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's also a command in the Bible. That's another reason why you should have joy. It's a command in the Bible. That's a good enough reason for me. All right, Philippians four verses four to seven says, "Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition." With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's such an important command that he tells us twice. He says, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Notice how he starts with joy, and then by verse 7, it turns into the peace of God. I okay, so badly want the peace of God in my life that I'm going to walk around with a bit of joy in my life. Now, another reason why it's important to have joy is because Jesus had joy. Wait. Okay? But he had joy in the place that you would least expect it. Watch this. I've never seen this before and it's jumped out at me so much in this verse, but Hebrews twelve two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, he took on the cross, not with sorrow, not with anxiety, not with fear, but with joy wow he anticipated the cross with joy he took on that penalty for you and me with joy in his heart i think that verse captures the true heart of god more than any other verse in the bible with joy in his heart remember the joy of the lord is our strength he took on that cross with joy because it was his strength his future joy disarmed the sting of the present pain that he went through Joy was his empowerment. Now what's another, or why is there another reason for us to have joy? Proverbs 17.22 in the Amplified, it says, A joyful mind causes healing. Okay, you can be healed through joy, through laughter. It's biblical. And science has even proven its validity. Okay, there's literally clinics and hospitals and organizations around the world that are starting to implement this laughter therapy into their treatment, especially of, of cancer patients. You ever seen the movie, Patch Adams? That's a roller of emotion, that one is, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's a sad movie, and a funny movie. Anyway, so that's a tr- it's a true story, all right? And the Cancer Treatment Center of America is, is utilizing this into their treatment. Okay? And it's, it's shown to relieve pain and relieve stress. And it even boosts your immune system by up to 40% if you laugh through it. Okay? But leave it to the British to take it one step further. Where's Joe and Alan? I know you guys are behind this somewhere. Anyways. Okay, they literally in Britain in some offices. They have this thing that's called the laughter line, okay? So if you're sitting in your office and you're having a tough day, you can actually pick up the phone and on the other end is somebody laughing for 10 minutes. (laughs) I I kid you not. Like, you can't even make that stuff up. Like, that's so good. Like, how do you even get that job? Like, like what do you, you pick up the phone, like, press one for baby giggles. Press two for old man chuckles. Like, like Like, could you imagine that Christmas party? What do you do? Uh, I'm a laugh man. I'm a laugh man. <laughs> what? Like, anyways. Um, okay, what are some practical ways, other than laughter, what are some practical ways for us to demonstrate this joy? Okay, one thing that I try and do in my life is anytime I'm faced with a difficult circumstance or, or tough situation in my life, I try and compare it to eternity. Okay, I compare my situation to, to the millions and billions of years I'm going to spend in heaven. Okay, if I were to drive home today and I got a flat tire on my way home, does me getting a flat tire change the, the, the where and how I'm going to spend my eternity? No, absolutely not. Okay? You think when I'm, when I'm bowing at the feet of Jesus singing his praises, then I'm going to look back at that silly flat tire I got when I was 27? No. Unless, that's what, unless that flat tire is what led me to heaven. Uh, but, but no, I'm not... Okay. I, I, read a, I read a book... I actually read it every year because it's such a good book. It's called Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. And it really made me kind of grasp how big eternity is and how minuscule this life is. And, and once you grasp how short our time is here on earth and compare things to eternity, you start to have a, a different sense of relativity. Things of the eternal become more important. The things of this life will pass. Right, take joy in the fact that your eternal destiny can't be, can't be taken from you. Now, another, another way that you can demonstrate joy is by altering your prayer life. Okay, start thanking God for the anything and everything in your life, especially the, the more frustrating things, the bad things in your life. And watch as God starts to, to turn those things around into joyous parts of your life. Okay, those things no longer become frustrations, but they become joyful. All right, God will eliminate those things that drive you nuts. Another way is to text or email or or Facebook, or Instagram, or carrier pigeon, or whatever you do, and, and send uplifting messages to other people, okay? Because that kind of joy is, is contagious, okay? You ever been around somebody that's, like, happy-go-lucky all the time? Like, you ever met Carling? You ever met my wife, Carling? The girl's, like, permanently smiling. Isn't that nice? It's impossible not to smile when you're around that girl. I get brownie points, right? Somebody can tell her next week that I spoke about her. She's not here thanks. Joel's got my back. Okay, uh, It's impossible not to smile around that girl, okay? She brings me joy. And joy is contagious. Or here, you ever, you, ever, you ever met or like hung out with somebody that has a laugh that is just hilarious? Like somebody could tell a joke and it's a terrible joke, but this person's laughing their head off. But their laugh is so funny that you're laughing at their laugh. The joke is terrible, but I'm laughing at their laugh. Like, come on, everybody knows somebody like that, right? Yeah, it's fun. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, there's one right there. We got one. We found one. We got one. <laughs> See, case in point, right here. Right here. This is awesome. All right, I heard, okay, joy is contagious, be contagious. I heard a great quote that says, a smile is a curve that sets everything straight. Be contagious. Joy is contagious. I want to close this morning with one of the greatest promises in the Bible. The promise is God telling Abraham that he's going to have a son at the age of 99. God starts in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, by telling Abraham to walk. Okay, He's 99 years old. Okay, At this point, I picture the guy probably can't even feed himself, let alone walk. So this story is already hilarious to me. Um, Then he goes on in verses 4 to 6 by telling them that he's going to be the father of nations and he's going to be very fruitful. And then God says, your wife Sarah will bear a child. In verse 17, it says that Abraham fell down on his face and laughed. He laughed. You ever laugh so hard that you fell down on the ground and rolling around? Yeah, I've got a picture that's what he was doing there. So anyways, fast forward the story. And the child that they bore was the promise from God, a blessing that God so desperately wanted his children to have, something that couldn't come unless the supernatural gift came on the natural man. And that promise had a name. The name was Isaac. That name Isaac literally means to laugh. God was not just bringing them a child. He was bringing them joy. God's promise was laughter. God promises his children laughter. He promises them joy. He wanted them to experience joy. He wants us to walk in that same promise today. That's why he gave us the promised child. He gave us a child that would be our joy. He gave us Jesus Christ, the joy of our salvation. Let that be the message that resurrects joy back into your life today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.